In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Amen. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was preparing for confirmation in high school, we had a two-year preparation program, a freshman and sophomore year, and I remember going to a confirmation retreat my sophomore year um, away from our parish. It was in camp in Julian. Uh, there was, you could really see the stars very nicely. I don't remember too much of what they taught us on that retreat. I remember some of the fun things. I remember that there was going to be this huge water fight with water balloons and water guns. And I remember that very well because uh, some of the students brought huge water guns for this water fight. And then the, the, the people in charge said, I don't know who told you this. We're not going to have a water fight. There's not going to be one. And everyone's like, what? We heard there was a water fight last year. And so they, they're like, give us your guns. If there's going to be no water fight, why give us your guns? And they took away the guns of all the confirmation students, so they were totally defenseless when the water fight began. <laughs> and they just <laughs> massacred us with water. Um, but I also remember one point during the retreat, one of the priests coming in and, and starting to question the students to see how well we were being prepared. And he asked, what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? And just all blank faces. <laughs> Nobody had any clue, and including me, who I usually I had my hand raised the whole time. I was like, ooh. <laughs> and the priest looked at the confirmation teachers and he said, please make sure that they know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit before they are confirmed. And the very next week we were learning the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and we want to have them memorized. Uh, there's an acronym that I heard from one class. It was Wolf Pack, or Wolf Pack. Right? W-U-F-P-A-C-K, Wolf Pack. And this would stand for wisdom, understanding, fortitude, piety, also known as reverence, 
wonder and awe, that's the A, usually known as fear of the Lord, counsel, and knowledge. So if that acronym helps you out, Wolfpack, yes. Wisdom, understanding, fortitude, piety, wonder and awe, counsel, knowledge. And why are these important? When do we receive them? What role do they play in our spiritual life, in our salvation, in our sanctification? Well, to understand this, we have to understand their relationship with sanctifying grace and the infused virtues. At baptism, we receive so much. The Holy Spirit, the first gift of God, comes to us, and with the Holy Spirit, all these other things that we need for the spiritual life, for our relationship with God. We remember, God has created us for perfect communion with Him in heaven. He wants to extend that loving communion of the Trinity to us. He invites us into it, and in order to share in that, we need to receive a participation in His divine life that we call sanctifying grace. So that's the first thing the Holy Spirit gives us, sanctifying grace, divine life in our soul. Uh, but with sanctifying grace comes other things. Uh, sanctifying grace is a matter of being children of God. Because we have sanctifying grace in our soul, we are literally sons and daughters of God. We have been raised to the supernatural level, to sharing in the divine nature. Uh, but it's not enough to just be children of God now. We're called throughout our whole life to live as children of God. And so with sanctifying grace comes the infused virtues. The infused virtues are a matter of acting, of living as children of God. And there are many different virtues. Uh, there are some that they enable us to relate to God as we should. We need to be able to relate to God as our supernatural end, as what we were created for. We were created for God. And so we need the virtues that put us in relationship with him. Faith, hope, and charity. These are the three, three theological virtues. A faith allows us to relate to God as truth. God is infinite truth, and we, we are able to know him as, as the infinite truth and believe in everything that he has revealed. And faith allows us to accept all of the teachings of our faith, not as the teachings of men, St. Paul says, but as they really are, the, the word of God. And then there's hope. Hope is a theological virtue that allows us to relate to God, not specifically as truth, like faith, but rather as the good. God as good for us, as what we were created for, to possess him, to see him in the beatific vision, to enjoy him for all eternity, uh, to long for him. Hope allows us to long for God above all things as our greatest good. And along with that is the trust that God will give us everything we need to reach that good, to reach that goal. He's, he's going to give us all the graces, all the help we need to be with him forever in heaven. And then charity. Charity allows us to relate to God, again, not as truth, like faith, uh, but as the good. But it's it distinguished from hope in that hope allows us to relate to God as good for us, Charity allows us to relate to God as the infinite good in himself, right? Even if we didn't exist, God would still be infinitely good in himself. He is the greatest thing that exists, right? He is, he is eternal. He's always existed. Everything else is he's created by him. He is the infinite good. And with this, it's appropriate that we love him above all things. I recognize we shouldn't love anything more than God. And everything else that we do love 
We love it only out of love for God. So charity allows us to love as God loves. To love as God loves. To love him above all things and our neighbor as ourself out of love for God and to love created things only in so much as they help us get to God. If they're not going to help us get to God, get away from me. <laughs> right? So if that's faith, hope, and charity. They allow us to relate to God as we should. They put us in proper orientation, proper relationship to God. Then there are the moral virtues that allow us to make the right choices as we're journeying towards perfect loving communion with God. And for any type of action, there's going to be a virtue, but we boil it down to four cardinal virtues that are always at work when we're acting rightly, when we're living as children of God. The four cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And we can understand how these relate to the different powers of our soul. As human beings, we have the power of our mind. We have the power of our free will. We also have the emotions. And we have our body. And the higher powers, the mind and will, this is what we share in common with God. This is what makes us persons. The animals don't have those. Uh, the animals have a body and emotions. Uh, that relates us to them. But we are the bridge between the the heavenly and the earthly, between the invisible and the visible. We have these powers. Prudence helps our mind and our will. Prudence is a matter of right reason in action. When we act prudently, we think about what's the right thing to do, and then we do it. We make the choice to do it. It perfects our intellect and our will. Justice perfects our will. We make the right choice. Justice is a matter of giving to each, beginning with God, what is due. Again, justice is giving to each, beginning with God, what is due. So God first. The virtue of religion is part of justice when we, we pay proper worship to God. And then there's all these other types of justice uh, in society and in government and in our families, different things that we owe to each other. So we have prudence, justice, fortitude. Fortitude allows us to endure difficulties and pain for the sake of the good. So this helps out our body and our emotions. Sometimes we're afraid of things. We're afraid of suffering. That's natural. Uh, but fortitude gives us the strength we need to endure whatever difficulties, to overcome whatever obstacles, to take, to take on whatever suffering needed to do what is right, to do what is good. Temperance, also known as moderation, this allows us to be moderate in the pleasure and use of created goods. It feels good to eat. It feels good to, to make love and marriage. These are things that are good for us, so God has put a lot of pleasure in them, but we need to be moderate. We don't want to make life all about pleasure. And that's the, the, the ideology of hedonism, right? That pleasure is the greatest good and we just live for as much as possible. No, that puts us on the same level as the animals, just ask, act, acting for instinct. No, we are called to higher goods, to the good of personal love, life-giving love, self-giving love. And so temperance and moderation help us to make sure that we're not enjoying things too much so such that they gain control over us. It's a good question. Do I possess what I own, or does it possess me? Right? Is it taking over my life, I mean, television, internet, social media, whatever it might be? 
Other points about these infused virtues, they always accompany sanctifying grace in the soul. When God, when God gives the graces of baptism, sanctifying grace and all these virtues with it. And with the same understanding, if we commit a mortal sin and we lose sanctifying grace, we die spiritually, we also lose these infused virtues. Um, it's possible to still have faith and hope when we commit a mortal sin, uh, but when we're not in the state of grace, they're not going to help us out. We go to confession, God raises our soul from the dead, we receive sanctifying grace anew, all the virtues infused, they come back to us. Now, the infused virtues, they're different from natural virtues. When we talk about natural prudence and natural wisdom and natural justice, what's the difference? Well, uh, we can be virtuous on a natural level when we're acting for, for good human goals, right? things that are good for us just in this natural world. A virtue, by definition, is a habit, it's a firm habit of doing the good. Virtue is a firm habit of doing what is right, doing what is good for us on the natural level, you know, it's good for our body, it's good for our relationships, uh, but when it comes to infused virtues, it's, it's raised to the supernatural level. It's not just doing things that are good for us on this earth, but things that are good for our supernatural end of perfect union with God. So there's worldly prudence where we just make the right decisions for our job or for our, for our finances, our family. And then there's infused prudence, supernatural prudence, where we're making decisions based on what's going to help us get to heaven and what's going to help our loved ones get to heaven. Right? Natural justice isn't necessarily going to consider what's due to God, but the infused virtue Yes, to, to recognize that we are called to worship him and love him above all things. Uh, fortitude, right? We might endure some, some bodily affliction for the sake of a goal like an Olympic medal uh, or football team in high school um, or you know, just having a, a good figure, you know, being healthy. I might do some exercise that's not physically pleasing. That's a natural fortitude. Uh, but to be able to be tortured and die for the faith well, that's going to be supernatural fortitude. And temperance. Uh, even on a natural level, a person might feel bad about themselves if they just you know, let themselves go. They have no self-control. They get overcome by alcoholism or, or some other addiction. Well, on the supernatural level, all the more so, we recognize our dignity as children of God. And, and we are called for, for heaven, not just for this life. So that's the difference between natural virtue and infused virtues. Also, with natural virtues, we acquire them ourselves by repetition. The infused virtues, they come to us directly from God. He infuses them directly into the soul. And the more we practice them, the stronger they'll get in us. Uh, but to have them, they come directly from God. There's a relationship with the sacraments. We have seven sacraments. Uh, we mentioned here seven different virtues. The three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And when we think about the sacraments, we can recognize that there's a different virtue that's emphasized most in these different sacraments that is needed most. Uh, what would it be for baptism? Well, especially the virtue of faith. Right, with the beginning of our life in Christ. We need faith in God. Uh, then confirmation. Right? We are becoming a soldier of Christ, especially fortitude is what is strengthened. Right? Some people think confirmation is when I choose the faith for myself as an adult. 
Uh, no, no. That begins when we're in the age of reason and we can commit our own sins or not. Every choice to sin or not is a choice to live our identity as sons and daughters of God or not. Confirmation, one priest boiled it down to, it's mainly fortitude. It's giving us the greater graces of fortitude so we can spread the faith, spread the kingdom of God, and go out there and even suffer and die for the faith out of witness. So especially fortitude for that sacrament, the Eucharist. This is the sacrament of sacraments. This is the source and summit of our faith. It is Jesus Christ himself truly present. It is our God himself who we should love above all things. So especially there's going to be charity when it comes to the Eucharist to recognize that nothing in our life is more important than the Eucharist. I, uh, one priest said in our community, I couldn't think of a bigger waste of time on a Sunday than to miss Holy Mass right, when Jesus is offering himself there for us. So especially charity in the Eucharist, our greatest love. Confession, what's going to be the virtue especially tied there? Justice, right? Justice owed to God. You know, we repent of our sins. Anointing of the sick, it's especially tied to hope. Right? We are near death. The anointing of the sick is meant to give us healing from the effects of sin that would lead us to despair and to rebel against God in those final moments. It's meant to give us the strength to offer our, our death to God as our final prayer, our last breath, as we hope to be united with him immediately after we die. Holy orders, especially there's the need for the gift or the, the virtue of Prudence, right? We have our shepherds. We want them to shepherd us rightly, to guide us prudently, to give us the right counsel, not to lead us astray when we're asking, oh, is this a sin or not? Is this okay or not? Is this going to help me grow in holiness or not? Prudence for the priests. And holy matrimony, what's the one that's left? Temperance. Because husband and wife, uh, giving themselves totally to each other, uh, in marriage they receive from God the right to each other's bodies to celebrate that total, self-giving, life-giving love. And because a life-giving love, self-giving love, a, a couple ready to die for each other, to help get each other to heaven, because this is so amazing, because this approaches the love of God in heaven so much, he, he gives this sublime gift, right? the pleasure of the marital embrace. But we don't want to become too focused on that, so especially married couples need that virtue of temperance. That it's not going to be so much about the pleasure, but about this total self-giving love, like the love of Christ. Now that we've understood the theological virtues, the moral virtues, now we can understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? Uh, the gifts, like the virtues, are infused habits. They are dispositions in us. Uh, and they, like the virtues, the gifts, they allow us to live on a divine level. They allow us to live as children of God. They allow us to, to accomplish divine actions. When we are living by the virtues, faith, hope, charity, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, we're not just living as human beings. When we're living by those infused virtues, we are living as sons and daughters of God. Our actions are divine. But with the virtues, we choose when to use them. Right? We can choose, um, moved by, by grace. You know, God moves us with his actual grace. He helps us out in every moment. Uh, but we choose with our intellect and with our will to make an act of faith or to make an act of hope or to make an act of charity, you know, such as during 
Holy Communion, we could say, Jesus, I believe that you are present in the Eucharist. I hope to see you one day with your glory unveiled. Uh, help me receive you with greater love than ever before. We choose to make these actions. We can choose to act justly and prudently, temperately. With the gifts, we don't choose when the gifts come into play. The gifts are given to us so that the Holy Spirit can move us directly, so that our actions are done as God would do them. With the virtues, we're able to act in a divine, we're, we're able, we're able to, have, to, to accomplish divine actions, uh, but because we choose when to use them, they're only done in a human way, right? They're not done as God himself would do them. But God wants to, wants to perfect us in the spiritual life, so this is the role of the gifts. The gifts perfect the virtues because they enable us to be moved directly by the Holy Spirit, to make an act of faith as the Holy Spirit would make an act of faith. Uh, not a weak one, but a perfect one, an intense one. Uh, to act with, with prudence when maybe we don't have the time to think about it. Our, our human intellect wouldn't, wouldn't accomplish it in time, so with the gift of of counsel, which perfects prudence, the Holy Spirit would give us the right answer right away. We know what to do. Or someone asks us for advice. We haven't really studied the question, but the answer comes to us, and we're able to give them the right answer. It's the gift of counsel, the Holy Spirit moving us directly. And this is where we're meant to get to, to the point where everything that we do is by the Holy Spirit is as Jesus would have done it perfectly in our place. And when we get to that level, we get the saints. Right? And there are so many varieties of saints, so many different missions. And what would it be like when we reach that level where the Holy Spirit is directing everything? The analogy comes to my mind of being on a swing. And when you're on a swing, you can gain your momentum on a natural level by you know, moving your legs back and forth, and you get really high. But you could also have a nice, strong daddy <laughs> who gives you a push, and then you're going way higher than you would have gone before, <laughs> and you're able to get there a lot faster. And so it's like the Holy Spirit pushing us. This is what the gifts are like. Or the thought comes to my mind of like a special type of car with all these neat buttons, all these different gadgets. You know, there's the James Bond movies. Here he gets a new car, and it can do all these cool things. And on a natural level, you know, the virtues would be like, okay, we get to push the buttons, try things out, but we don't necessarily use them like in the best way. Our turns aren't exactly as sharp as they should be. Uh, but when, with the gifts, it's like the Holy Spirit's in the driver's seat, and, and we ask him, you know, can, can we use these different gifts? But he's the one who activates them, he, and he knows exactly when to do it, exact right intensity to do, it, to do these things. Uh, so this is our role when it comes to the gifts. We ask the Holy Spirit to activate them in us. And we can be doing this every day. And Holy Spirit, and you activate those gifts. What are these different gifts? Uh, we mentioned them in the beginning to try to memorize them. Again, that acronym, Wolf Pack. Wisdom, understanding, fortitude, piety or reverence, wonder and awe, also fear of the Lord, counsel and knowledge. Uh, let's start with knowledge. The gift of knowledge allows us to judge rightly concerning the truths of the faith, to be able to recognize them as part of revealed truth. Very important gift to be able to recognize if something is of the faith or not, if it's an article of faith that we should accept or if it's some heresy. 
You need this especially today because we live in a time when you can't necessarily trust every priest. Right? We go and we ask a priest if this is a sin. Unfortunately, not all priests are faithful to the teaching of the church. And so we need to look up. Is what Father said, is, is this what's in the catechism? Is this what has always been taught? Or is he falling into the moral relativism of saying, oh, you just do whatever your conscience tells you, and you're called to follow your conscience? This is true. We're called to follow our conscience. But we also have the obligation to form our conscience correctly. And the priest should help us do that. Uh, oh, just you do whatever feels right. You know, this might be a sin for someone else, but not necessarily for you. Uh, no, sorry, Father. Uh, th that's not good enough. Right? So the gift of knowledge is you're hearing a homily to be able to recognize that does not sound right. right? The sense of faith. Uh, this, help, this is very important. So that's going to perfect the gift of faith. Uh, the gift of knowledge perfects the gift, perfects the virtue of faith. You've got to get our terms right here. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so gift of knowledge perfects the virtue of faith. Next comes understanding. The gift of understanding allows us to have a deeper insight and penetration of the divine truths held by faith. And not as just like this momentary enlightenment, but as this permanent intuition, like we really grasp it and it stays with us. Again, this comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit activating it in us. He decides when to just finally, we get it. Might be something in the, in, about the faith that we've heard various times in homilies or in catechism class, but then finally maybe at a certain retreat, we just get it. We have this penetrating insight into it. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, this perfects the virtue of faith. Wisdom. The gift of wisdom allows us to judge and order all things in accordance with the divine law to relate everything to our relationship with God. Every decision we're going to make, you know, everything that exists in the world, wisdom allows, it, uh, allows us to see it through God's eyes, how this is going to help or hurt me get to heaven. And, and it comes from love. It's to be able to judge all these things in relation to God out of love for God. I, I want to get to God as my final end. I want perfect loving union with him, and so I judge everything as good or bad based on that goal. And this perfects the virtue of charity. And when the Holy Spirit activates wisdom in us and we act with that wisdom, we make the, the right decision that's going to help us love God above all things. Again, it leads us to see the Eucharist as the most important thing. Nothing more important than the Eucharist. The gift of counsel, we mentioned, perfects the virtue of prudence. The gift of counsel allows us to be moved by the Holy Spirit, to be docile and receptive, to be open to counsel coming directly from God regarding our actions so that they will help us grow in holiness and salvation. Again, there's times when we don't have enough time to think, and we need the Holy Spirit to give it to us right then and there. These gifts can be crucial for our salvation, right? that we act in a divine way in that moment. The gift of piety or reverence allows us to give filial worship to God, the word filial from son or daughter, to relate to God as our loving Father, as our Heavenly Father, and to relate to all people as children of the same Father. We can ask the Holy Spirit to activate this gift of piety 
in all of our interactions, in all of our relationships. Uh, somebody mistreats us, we might be tempted to hate them, to, to will ill or evil upon them. Uh, the gift of piety would help us to remember they're a beloved son of God. Right? They're a beloved daughter of God. Uh, or if God has given them to me as my spouse, they're my spouse in Jesus Christ. Right? There's this bond between us. The gift of piety allows us to have reverence for this. And even if we feel like saying something that we might regret later on, the gift of piety helps us not to do that. Interesting that piety or reverence, it's not mentioned in that reading from Isaiah that we heard in the beginning. The reading from Isaiah mentions the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of the Messiah, who's going to make these gifts available to us, spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Where's piety? And then he goes on to say, his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Well, we know that the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts, St. Paul says, it's a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. So this is the spirit of piety. And so it's been taught by the fathers and the teaching of the church, the magisterium, since the beginning, that this is one of the seven gifts. Fortitude, like the, the natural virtue of fortitude, to overcome difficulties and to endure pain and suffering with the strength and power infused by God. So like a divine level of fortitude. Uh, some of the torture of the saints that we read about are like, wow, uh, maybe a Someone specially trained, a Navy SEAL, a Marine, might be able to endure that kind of torture, but, you know, 15-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy, a little girl, uh, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a story of St. Jose Sanchez del Rio in Mexico, right, at the time of the Cristeros. Uh, the, he was captured, he was 14 years old, they cut him various times with machetes, they, they beat him, and... He would be crying out, Viva Cristo Rey! Y la Virgen de Guadalupe! And they cut the soles of his feet off. They made him stand in salt. They forced him to walk ten city blocks to the place they were going to kill him. And he endured the whole time. This is divine fortitude. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit activated in him. I encourage you, if you haven't already, read the first reading that we're going to hear in Mass today from the second book of Maccabees, chapter 7. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Fear of the Lord. This gift allows us to avoid sin and attachment to created things out of reverence and love for God. And not so much out of a fear of going to hell, but out of wonder and awe for God, out of love for God. Uh, we want to avoid anything that is going to disappoint him. And this perfects the virtue of temperance. Pray for the gifts. Pray every day. This is your homework or your challenge from this talk is to ask every day for the Holy Spirit to activate those gifts. And you could pick a specific gift each day. I met one priest who said he chooses a, a different gift each day. You know, which one do I need most today for Monday or which for, sun, for Sunday? Uh, maybe for Sunday as we come to the Eucharist, especially wisdom, right? Perfecting charity. Uh, maybe we're starting work again. Okay, I need fortitude. <laughs> or... Uh, uh, the middle of the week, maybe piety. So ask for these gifts. Ask the Holy Spirit to move them. And when we do this, when we're living by the Holy Spirit, then we experience those fruits of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. He says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, generosity, fidelity or faithfulness, meekness or gentleness, and continence or chastity. And these fruits, they're virtuous actions, different works that we perform with joy, with, with, with a sweetness. Uh, it's not difficult when we're living by the Holy Spirit because we're being guided by Him. The Holy Spirit moves us sweetly. And so there's this, this sweetness, this joy, even in the midst of the cross, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They give testimony, witness that, yes, I am living by the Holy Spirit. If I'm very impatient, right, or love is not so easy, uh, or I'm always down all the time, no joy. Uh, as a Christian, um, something's not right. Now, with the time we have left, uh, a few extras that I didn't get to share in the other talks uh, because I'm trying to keep by time and say, Fathers of Mercy, once you get them started, it's hard to shut them up. <laughs> I've been trying to exercise a lot of discipline <laughs> uh, during this retreat. Um, I know this is a lot to take in. Uh, but some extras from the talk in the School of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what is God going to be inspiring us to do? We mentioned commandments, teachings of the church, the duties of our state and life. Uh, especially he's going he's gonna to inspire us to practice those virtues, right? to examine ourselves and grow in the virtues. Ask God, which virtue do I need to grow in the most? Um, it's, when we're making regular confessions, we might think, oh, I'm always confessing the same things. Well, uh, pick one of those sins to work on the most. Uh, which virtue do I need? Uh, different virtues. Diligence, if I might be lazy. Uh, cheerfulness, if I tend to be down. Uh, temperance, humility, always very important patience, perseverance through my work or through some difficult cross, prayerfulness, ask, which virtue do I need? Some important considerations related to Sunday, and we said, yes, God might inspire us to do some legitimate recreation, but not to spend all our time on that. Too many people just punch their card on Sunday and they think, all right, now it's my day. How many people go to Saturday evening mass, not because they have to, but because they want to turn Sunday into my fun day, right? Uh, no, let's uh, give more time to, to God. The whole day is the day of the Lord. We can do some non-religious activities, that's all right, uh, but we don't have to fill the whole day with them. Uh, maybe some more time reading the Bible. Uh, maybe some time meditating on those readings we heard at Mass, or the readings for the following Sunday, so we can have a whole week to think about them. Maybe some time studying our faith and the catechism. Maybe the, the life of a saint, watch a movie with our kids and different things that we can do to grow in our faith. I'm sure the Holy Spirit would inspire us to do more of these things on Sunday. Corporal works of mercy, uh, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty. People don't necessarily think to do this. Oh, well, that's a work. Uh, yes, but this is, a, this is a work that's appropriate for Sunday, right, to be building up the kingdom of God through these actions, uh, works of mercy. The five first Saturdays, uh, the, the apparitions at Fatima are approved by the church, uh, the, Our Lady asked us to pray the rosary every day. She asked us to observe the five first Saturdays. I would think the Holy Spirit's probably moving most of us to make the time to accomplish this devotion. Uh, what do we call to do for the five sa Satur first Saturdays of five months in a row? Four things. Confess our sins. There's our Blessed Mother inviting us to confess once a month, not just once a year, the bare minimum. Confess our sins. Receive Holy Communion. Go to Mass one day of the month when we don't have to be there. Receive Holy Communion. It helps strengthen us again in our love for Jesus. Third, pray five mysteries of the rosary. 
If we're doing that every day, that one won't be hard. And four, to keep her company for 15 minutes meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary, the original 15, joyful, sorrowful, glorious. And we do all of this with the intention, special intention, of making reparation for the sins committed against her immaculate heart, which offend God very much. Uh, once we're doing all these things, keeping the commandments, teachings of the church, my vocation as wife and mother, husband and father, or whatever our vocation is, and we are spending a bare minimum in prayer, and we're observing what God has asked us to do, what else? Uh, then maybe we consider some extra involvement in church, and the different things they ask us to volunteer for. Uh, an example is uh, men thinking about diaconate. Right? People are telling me, hey, you should go study for, to be a deacon. Well, one of my first questions is, how's the family life? How's the marriage? How's the relationship with the children? Uh, how old are the children? Right? Is this going to be too demanding on his time, and he's not going to be able to be there for them? Uh, if the marriage is on the rocks, uh, no, God's not calling you to go study to become a deacon. He's calling you to work on your marriage. If the, if the marriage is strong and firm, and the, the family life is good, everyone's on board with trying to grow in holiness, uh, then maybe God might be calling you to go on to this. But we wouldn't want it to be an escape, right? Uh, religious activities, we could use them as an escape from dealing with the issues of my marriage or my family life. Uh, if it's not escape, it's an authentic call from God, then it will help us grow in holiness. Something to discern with our spouse you know, when we're asked to volunteer for something. You know, pray about it and, and see what God might be calling me to do. Is this going to help us or hurt us? With that, we need detachment. And we might really want to do something, uh, but if it's not God's will, we, we need the detachment to drop it. Uh, we might be engaging in some recreation. I, I believe God wants me to recreate at this time, maybe enjoy a movie or some Mario Kart. Uh, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, somebody needs the, their confession heard. Well, Father, put down the Mario Kart <laughs> or whatever you might be, a little recreation a father might do, um, and go hear that confession. Nothing's more important than that, right? Maybe he wanted you to recreate up to this point. Now you go and do something else. Maybe God had you enjoying a show for a little bit, but now uh, your child needs you, right? Or some phone call or some emergency. All right, now we attend to that. We want to be like St. Matthew. He was sitting at the customs post, tax collector. Jesus comes. He says, follow me. And, he, and very simply, Mark, the Gospel of Mark says, and he got up and followed him. <laughs> Prompt obedience. I want to be moved by the Holy Spirit to do this. What will be the results of living under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? We'll be stronger against sin. And maybe there's some sin that usually we're too weak to, to overcome. If we're being faithful to God's inspirations in other areas of life, maybe not directly related to that sin, we grow all around. And maybe finally we'll be able to conquer that sin. Faithfulness to grace makes us stronger. Also, there will be consolations. Even in the midst of the cross, we will have this great satisfaction in doing his will and possibly a greater satisfaction even from the, just the regular pleasures of the world. At the saints, there are many of them. They lived both lives. St. Augustine lived the ways of the world, and he found greater satisfaction in a life for God. As we try to let the Holy Spirit lead, we, we mentioned entrusting ourselves to Mary. Have we consecrated ourselves to her? It's a very good thing to do. I believe you had a similar prayer to this one this morning. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being, 
without reserve. Good mother, as I am now yours, keep me, guard me, and as your property and possession, bring me to Jesus. Amen. So we do all of these things. We will live by the Holy Spirit. We will acquire the sanctity. We will reach the sanctity God has planned for us from all eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.